When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fans, and welcome into the CHGO Balls podcast, HQing on this Friday. William, that was a nice intro. That was a nice intro. Was that, was that new? I've only been joining the last couple of shows because I just got home from Nashville, and I think that was the first time I've seen that new, that new, that new little opening scene. That was, that was something. I miss our, our old tunes, but I like that. Yeah, and look, to, to be clear, for those listening via audio, just in case it doesn't come through there, Certainly not referring to my intro, which was terrible as per usual. We're referring to the new intro on the uh, the YouTube. So if you haven't seen it, if you want to go see it, jump on the uh, jump on the website on the YouTube brother and for follow find CHGO Sports, and you'll 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 see what we're talking about. That was that was fresh. I like that. I'm probably too young. I'm too old to be using the word fresh. I think William. Don't you think? No, I think yeah, I think yeah, I think you're perfect. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Well, you know who is fresh? It is William Gottlieb. Fresh off his trip to Nashville, back home, it seems. That that looks like your regular backdrop there. So uh, you're back in Chicago. I don't know if the balls Better are back. Better the hotel room closet I had been recording in for the past <laughs> couple of days. Well, there you go. Well, you're, you're back on deck, but uh, we're here to talk balls. The off-season, William, it's over. The real stuff is starting up now. Only a couple of days away from Bulls preseason. We're going to be previewing Bulls versus Bucks. Can't wait to be talking about actual basketball. But uh, before we dive into that, we want to hit on some final training camp takeaways from William, who was obviously there in Nashville, lapping it up there with, with the team. But we also want to hit on Patrick Williams. Will wrote a great story on the Bulls' young emerging power forward, an emphasis on power forward friends. Um yeah, we want to talk Pat as well because this is a big year for Pat. Everyone knows it's a big year for Pat. Pat knows it's a big year for Pat, so we want to talk about that too as well as, like I said, getting into Bulls, Bucks, getting you ready for that preseason game. But before we do, William, let's start closing out. We'll start the show by closing out the uh, the training camp and just getting some final takeaways from yourself. Did we learn anything new over the last couple, last few days there whilst you are in Nashville? I think the big takeaway I have is just and we kind of have been talking about this for the last couple of days, but just the idea of going to Nashville to do this. Um, it just seems like there is an overall emphasis from the front office to the coaching staff, to the players to get these guys to bond more. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that they've all said and something that I've noticed too, is like everybody gets along well, like they, they like each other. There's no like, hard feelings or rivalries or anything like that in the locker room. But it seemed like there had been times last year where when they adversity, they weren't able to overcome it because they really didn't like connect on that deeper level and have each other's backs next in that way. And one of the things that DeMar said the first day that we had access in Nashville was like, I hated doing training camps in our city. I always wanted to go somewhere else, whether it was Hawaii or somewhere else in Canada when he was in the rap with the Raptors um, because that just like, like you, you stick all these people in a room together and they're going to come out the other side closer. Um, 
So who knows if that actually results in results in anything actually translates to wins on the court. And that's really ultimately all that matters. But I like the fact that they did this at first. I was pretty skeptical. I was like, a little, like a little annoyed to go on a trip and we're going to have to, you know, just go to the advocate center for practice as usual. But I, I do think there's something to be said for said for the way they handled this. Um, and just like even the idea that they're all on board with doing something like this, I think kind of speaks to the goal in mind. So that that's like my big takeaway of it. Um, as far as, um, as you know, just like what we're going to learn from the players or anything like that, like they've been saying the right stuff. It's just at a certain point, you've just got to see, see it on the court. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and I want to be positive about it and say, this is cool. This is, this is good that they're all bonding and doing, doing the thing like this. But at the same time, like it kind of feels like a lot of teams are away at the moment in, in different parts of the country, getting away, doing training camp elsewhere. Uh, I think the Sixers are in Colorado. The the Denver Nuggets are in San, Di- San Diego. There's a few bunch of other teams, you know, checking in from all various parts of the US, you know, not, not in their home base doing their thing from that point of view. So like, this isn't new for the for the league more generally, even though it maybe it's a little bit different and new for the Bulls. But I certainly have appreciated the fact that they're doing it. I've loved the content that has come out of it. Uh, the Bulls, the Bulls from a um, their own media production sort of thing, have put together some really cool, cool stuff. And just seeing the guys around each other and doing all that sort of thing is always good and fun to see. But what does it ultimately mean? Like that's yeah, we'll, we'll find out what that ultimately does mean. But I think they kind of needed to do this one for the reason that that you spoke about that the players themselves, I don't know, felt somewhat disconnected. Maybe that's the wrong terminology to use, but the, their first opening 20 to 25 games is a gauntlet. It, it's rough. This is probably the toughest part of their schedule and having a team that is connected. If, if you want to play the whole continuity game, you want to have chemistry being a positive for your squad compared to maybe some other teams who have just come together like, let's say the box as, as an example, who we'll see on Sunday night. So you want that to be a, a, an advantage for you. And it needs the, the balls need that to be an advantage for them going into the first, like I said, 20 to 25 games of the season where they will see the Milwaukee Bucks three times in the, in, during that uh, stretch of games. They'll see the Denver Nuggets, the, uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Miami Heat a bunch of times, the Boston Celtics. So it's a really tough schedule. So they need to be, they need to be playing their best basketball as soon as possible. And if this camp can sort of facilitate that, then that, then that's all well and good. But uh, I'm not sure if I'm putting too much stock in this whole bonding trip, but you know, maybe it'll have some positive effects. Yeah, I'm not either. And like, like I said, ultimately it has to translate on the court. That's really what it's going to come down to. But like the first thing mm-hmm. that Billy said when we talked with him in Nashville, this is a quote, he said, one of the things we talked about, we're bringing back the same group. We have to do something different. We can't just do the same thing and expect everything to be fine. And I think that is true for training camp. I think it's true for the way that they approach practices and games. I think it's true for the way that they run their offense. Uh, mm-hmm. I, a lot of times teams will like make adjustments in the offseason, whether it's bringing in new players or making some big trades to shake things up. And that's how you get a play style to change. But as we've talked about Javon Carter, Troy Craig, solid additions, but they're not really altering your foundation at all. And Mm -hmm. I think they're all, they all have an understanding and an appreciation for the fact that like what they did last year was not good enough. 
And that because we've now seen that for a year and a half, it's not just like, we need to do this better. It's like, we have to actually fundamentally change some of the things that we're doing. And so I like that they're at least trying new ways to do that. Maybe, like I said, it doesn't result in anything, but to me, it's like, you know, going back to Vooch's whole thing about like, maybe this is our last chance and, you know, DeMar's contract being uh, coming up on its expiration. It does kind of feel like this is kind of the last thing that they can try without actually making any changes. And we'll just, we'll just have to see. Um, I think they're all saying the right stuff. I think they all believe it. Um, and I think they want to buy in, but when you talk about like the strength of schedule and some of these tough games to start the season, like this is going to be a real test of like, can they actually stay unified throughout these type of tough matchups? And we'll talk about the bucks. We'll talk about preseason in general and some of the, you know, first 10, 20, 25 games of the season, but they have to like find a way to power through that. Cause it's not going to just be like it was a couple of years ago where they were taking care of the bad teams and, you know, struggling against good ones. And I don't think you can just say, well, they played well against the good teams last year. So they'll do that again this year. Like they have to really come together and buy into a larger picture change. Um, otherwise you're just going to exactly see the same thing that we saw last year, which again, is just not good enough. Yeah. And I actually think there's somewhat of a risk here in trying to make some holistic changes knowing that this is year three, knowing that this is kind of the make or break it for this team and knowing like we talked about the schedule coming up is pretty tough. Like there is risks in trying to fundamentally change who you are, at least offensively. Now, to your point, if they can stick with it and persevere through it and if it connects straight away and they click, then obviously that risk dissipates. But if for whatever reason through the first five to 10 games, if you know running through, running the offense more through Vooch or maybe changing up the starting unit where you've got uh, Kobe and Pat starting in there versus Javon and, and Tory Craig or Caruso as an example, going away from that vet vet lineup that sort of concluded the you know the final 23 games of last season where that was so effective. Like there's risk to it, I guess, is the point. And and I just find that interesting. And I I don't want to sound like a complete takesman here because I that, that's certainly not my intent. But like I wonder if now is the right time to be trying to fundamentally shift things. And I would have, I I don't think the offense was as bad as what people make it out to be last season. Like obviously the results from an efficiency standpoint weren't good, but I don't think it was due to the fact of how they ran their offense or what they were doing on offense. I've always been of the opinion that it's a personnel thing. Like what they did on offense, they did very well. They just had limited scope in my opinion, at least to do different things on offense because of who, was on the roster. Like, I don't think running the offense through Vooch or saying now that you want to get into the paint more or getting to the free throw line, uh, free throw line more is just going to automatically increase your three-point volume or it's going to automatically, uh, you know, allow you to get to the free throw line more just because you put an emphasis on it or just because you said that's what you want to do. I don't think that's how it works. I think that's ultimately driven by what you can or can't do as players in the same way that Vooch has to be used in a certain way on defense because he has limited scope as a defensive player. I think the same is true for offensive players as well. So I kind of wonder if now is the right time to be doing this, to, to be making these structural changes. And I kind of would have liked to have seen them doing what they were doing last season, but just 
in those four, you know, who you had as your fourth or fifth guy, just making sure that those players were more ready, more willing to contribute, you know, fit better with the big three or the mid three as we like to call them. So I don't know, maybe that's controversial to say that, but I, I just don't think this is the maybe the right time to be switching things up just yet. But I also not I don't love the idea of trying to make the, your third best offensive player the fulcrum of the offense either. I don't think there's many teams that do that, and I don't know if that's a really winning strategy at all. Yeah, I think that's kind of again. It seems like they're just trying to find. It's like the last, you know, last opportunity to try and try and find something that works. I think mm. you and I. Well, I don't want to speak for you. I think Vucevic is the best passer on the team. Um, I don't think he gets racks up the assists in the way that Demar does, or even Zach to a certain extent, because those guys like have the ball. I would consider them willing passers. I would consider them guys that make the easy next play, but I don't yeah. think of them as guys who pass people open, who, um, you know, are advantage creators with the pass. I think mm-hmm. of them as guys who can collapse a defense because of their scoring threat and then find the open man. And I think that's valuable, but I also think Vooch is kind of the guy who can make really quick decisions to keep the offense um, just like flowing from one action to the next. And I think that's really the way that they plan to use him and the way that they're hoping to adjust things a little bit more. I'm not saying that Vooch is going to bring the ball up and be, you know, mm. point center. I'm not saying that they're going to feed him on the block every time and let, you know, let him make plays off of that spot. I, I really don't think that would be the right way to do it. And I don't think that's the way that they're approaching it. I think it's more like, we have, it's such a slog trying to score points. And they were good in the half court last year. I think they were ninth in offensive efficiency in the half court. Um, so it's not like they're terrible. But I think that a lot of times it was just like relying on tough shot making. And when I look at some of these best teams in the playoffs, like the Nuggets, for example, it's when you when all else fails and you have to get a bucket in the final moments of a tight game, what do you turn to? And for them, for the Nuggets, it's, we can get a bucket in a Jokic Murray pick and roll or an inverted Jokic Murray pick and roll whenever we want. We can get a really good shot out of that. And I think for the Bulls, that is, we can get a really good shot out of DeMar isolations. But I don't think that should be like the primary action. I think that should be like the, okay, everything's slowed down. Now we just need to find a way to score on this, you know, on this possession. I think that's when you you more default to a DeMar possession and i i understand when you're looking at you know the efficiency of a certain shot from a certain spot on the floor like damar is going to win from a math standpoint on that because he's just that good from the mid-range but i don't think that means that you need to build your whole offense around it and i think that's kind of more of the shift that's gonna that's gonna come here or at least the one that they're trying to install look we heard let's play with more randomness Let's like not default to tomorrow. Let's not rely on him. Let's play with some more unpredictability last year. That was the theme coming uh, into the season. And it was something that they worked on and ultimately did not succeed with last year. So like, what's actually going to be different? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but what it seems like is that they're going to try to run some more, you know, some more actions out of Vooch dribble handoffs or, uh, you know, Vooch from the elbow and cutting off of him or, you know, playing empty side pick and roll with Zach. Like, I just think that they want to incorporate his playmaking into the game a little bit more. And I don't think that necessarily means him being a pure point guard. I think it just means having guys play off of him because he said this to me in in an interview that we did the other day, like 
guys can get really easy shots, you know, playing off of him or moving without the ball. Like Zach and Kobe are built to come off of screens and shoot threes or back cut and get easy shots at the rim. Like, let's make life easier on them by putting the ball in a position, which, you know, is Vooch's hands, put, put the ball in Vooch's hands and put them in a position now to be able to score more easily. I'm not saying that's the only thing that they're, they're going to do, but it did at times feel like the only thing that they did on offense last year was give it to DeMar, DeMar or give it to Zach and get out of their way. I think they still have a time and a place for that, but they have to add some more movement um, and just try to generate some easier looks where more people are touching the ball, where more people are making quick decisions earlier in shot clocks so that it's not just bogged down for the entire game. Because that's where, that's the disconnect between high field goal percentage on mid-range shots and low offensive efficiency as a team, right? You can score at a higher rate on those mid-range shots, but does that mean you're generating good offense throughout the course of the game? Maybe at times, but clearly not for the entire season or for an entire game over 82 games. I hear all that and I fundamentally agree with it. And obviously I would love to see more creativity to it. I just question if there's scope for it, I guess. Uh, That's the part that I don't know if fully, I don't know if it exists, I guess is my point, because I just don't maybe trust well, my and- personnel to, to run that or to be that. Or like I said before, like you want to, the reason why the Bulls offense was inefficient was in large part because they ranked 29th in three-point attempt rate. So how does a new offense change that? Can a new offensive structure, a new offensive outlook change that? Or does that come down to the personnel and their ability to get up threes, their ability to make high volume threes, it's just an interesting conversation and an interesting dynamic as to how you want to frame that conversation. I lean more on it being a personnel thing than a scheme thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's both. I, I, I don't know, but it's, yeah, I get why that's they need to try I things, land on it. Yeah. That's where I land on it is that it's both. Like you can still get a lot of the same. It's like, you know, Stacey King, whenever he's calling a, a broadcast uh, and somebody pulls up for three early in a shot clock, he's like, Oh, you can get that shot whenever you want like try to work some offense in. I think that's like the wrong perspective, uh, but it's the right sentiment, right? You can take early transition threes. I think that's a good shot, but you know, the idea of being able to get a shot whenever you want it and also being able to work in some more off ball actions, some more movement throughout the course of a possession to see if you can't get a better shot. I think you can do both of those things, but that's where the buy-in comes from. The other thing I'll add is that when you talk about just shooting more threes, I agree they need to do that, and I think they need to really focus on that. But for what they've said, what Billy said, what some of the players have said, is it's not just about that. We know we need to incorporate more threes, but it's also about how we're getting those shots. Um, And I think they obviously believe they can generate more of them by getting into the paint. Now, in order to get into the paint, you need to have the space to pull defenders out of that area um, and stretch the floor a little bit so that Damar and Zach can get all the way downhill but you also have to have guys that can shoot on kickout. So I think it's both of those things. They also want offensive rebound more. I know that's going to be an emphasis, but that obviously comes with the trade-off of transition defense. Um, and mm-hmm. their defense was top five last year. Can they really sacrifice very much of that? I'm not sure. Um, and then free throw temporary. And I think that one harkens back to, you know, driving and creating space in the lane for guys to get all the way downhill to where, you know, Zach and DeMar had really high free throw attempts per game, but the bulls were really lacking. They were 22nd in free throw attempt rate. They need, that needs to be like a staple of the offense because I think really like we talk about layups and 
uh, threes being the source of efficient offense, free throws are right up there, if not number one. I mean, they need to get to the free throw line more. Patrick wants to focus on that. DeMar is one of the best in the league at that. Zach has proven uh, that that's a big piece of what he can do well. Kobe, I think, has improved there as well. So I think it's just all this stuff. But as we talked about last week, there are going to be trade-offs. And if you do try to overhaul everything that you do, what what is that what does that mean for the transition defense? What does that mean for not getting back in transition? Because when you're shooting high field goal percentage on a bunch of DeMar mid-range shots, that's, you know, maybe you're not getting threes out of that, but you're still getting 50%, uh, you know, you're still getting like one point per possession, which is solid. But not only that, you're able to get back on defense and get set before the offense can get down to the other side of the court. So there's going to be trade-offs. I'm not sure if that means that they're going to like load up on offensive rebounds and become a terrible defensive team can they find a middle ground ultimately for them to be as as bad as they were uh shooting the ball from deep getting to the free throw line and offensive rebounding like you just can't win if you're 27th or 28th or 29th in so many categories offensively so they do need to change some stuff um i don't know how much of that is realistic given the fact that the personnel is all the same to your point but i think that's just the, the idea and the thought process behind some of these things that we're hearing from them in training camp so far. Yeah. And look, I, I completely get it. And I understand why they need to, why they need to explore different things because previously what was, what, what, what their ratings were last season were clearly not acceptable. And, uh, you know, I understand the impetus to want to try to change these things. I just, yeah, I just question if it's really, uh, if you could really make, make these things, or change these things, or if they scope to change these things, I, I, I ultimately don't think so. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully, I'm, I'm wrong. And uh, it'll be interesting to trial all these things with it through that first, you know, twenty to twenty-five games. But we'll wait and see. Obviously, the the first step of that is seeing what it all looks like versus the Bucks on Sunday night. But before we get into that, William, we need to talk about Patrick Williams. Uh, he said some things to you. You wrote some things that had about the things that Pat said to you so it's up on the website for people to go read if you haven't uh but before we get into that william can you tell everyone about ray our friend ray i would love i would love to tell people about ray because if you are in the market for a new vehicle then we have some great news for you ray chrysler dodge jeep and ram in fox lake has joined the chco team at ray cdjr you'll always have the ability to shop one of chicagoland's finest and largest inventories with unforgettable savings. And right now during Ram Power Days at Ray CDJR, only in Fox Lake, you'll be able to secure 0% financing or 17% off of new Ram models. 0% financing or 17% off of new Ram models. That's incredible savings. But that's not all. Now through October 31st, explore their newly renovated showroom and take advantage of limited time seven-year anniversary savings. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com today. Serving the community since 1963 by new roads with Ray Chevy. Ray Chevy. If you're interested in saving more money, obviously you can head down to Ray, save some money on some cars. But if you want to save some money on seats, do you know where you go, William? Game time. That's it. That's it. You head to game time, friends. If you haven't got the app, 
What are you doing? I mean, we've been talking about this app for how long now? This was a sponsor for us last season. Surely by now, if you've been listening to CHDO Ball, CHDO Sports Board generally, you know about game time. Surely. But in the event that you're a new, a new listener, you're a new subscriber, whatever it might be, let me tell you about game time, which is the best place to go buy your, your tickets to the next big event, whatever it may be. The Bears got to win. We're on the board. Believe, folks. Wait, the, if you Bears go see the Bears won? Bears. Am I breaking news to you? No, I'm just joking. Oh, okay. I was going to say, the Bears <laughs> are back, William. If you want to go see the Bears do their thing, Justin Fields throwing spirals to uh, DJ Moore for 200 and something yards. Throwing whatever the spirals. Whatever the conversion of that is to meters like like the rest of the world uh, who uses metric. I don't know what that is, but do you know what, what, what I do know, William? That I go to the game time app and that's where I buy all my tickets. And folks, obviously the Bulls are coming back very, very soon. If you want to get to the, you know, see the Bulls in preseason action, see what they're doing on the court in terms of how they're changing up their offense, all this sort of stuff, then jump on game time. You can get the best, the best last minute tickets, whatever it might be, whether it's uh, flash deals, zone deals, whatever it might be. If you want to find those best, uh, uh, best available uh, tickets, like, like Sarah has on the screen here, if you want to go see a Bears game, I can't imagine that they're, they're charging top dollar right now. So regardless of that, you can get some savings more generally just because of the Bears' performance. But if you want to save even more money on top of that, then friends, use game time. And when you do, uh, like I said, you can get $20 off your uh, your first order. When you download the game time app, you create an account and you use promo code CHGO, you will get 20 bucks off your first purchase. Of course, terms apply. But nonetheless, if you create an account, Download the app, redeem the code CHGO, 20 bucks off your first tickets. It is that simple, friends. Go watch Justin Fields do his thing. What a star he is. William, do you know who else is a star? Who's ready to break out? Who's ready to be a superstar? Patrick Williams. Let's Just talk about him. Let's, he'll be directing you to the game time app. He'll also be directing you to the United Center to go and see him do his thing where he's suggesting that he knows how good he can be as an offensive player, that he knows he needs to put the ball on the floor and do the thing. And he told you all about it. Can you tell everyone all about what he told you at Nashville? So I'll start by saying this. Um, Like one of the first things that he said, so we had him in group, right? And so it was like a scrum, all that. And that's where you saw the videos of him saying, you know, all I want to do is win. Winning's my goal. Winning will take care of everything. Uh, Yeah. which is just, which is what it is. So I then had a chance to talk with him a couple of days later. And I was like, mm-hmm. Pat, I know that you say all you want to do is win, but <laughs> also like in your mind, in your eyes, what do you have to do to be involved in that? And yeah. for him, it was, you know, it's trying to get the ball in my hands a little bit more. And he said, it's trying to get the ball in my hands a little bit more, which obviously I love. And he kind of had like a big smile on his face. Like he was excited to talk about it. Um, and at some point I was like, you know, fans are going to be pretty excited to hear you say that. And he, he kind of laughed and he was like, I know, well, you know, every player wants to have the ball in, in their hands. Um, it's just a matter of like trying to figure out what, how, how to get to your spots and how to do the things that you want to do with it. Uh, within the flow of the offense and then to have your teammates and coaches trust you to be able to to do that stuff so he seemed uh, excited and eager he knows that there's a lot of pressure on him to develop as a scorer this year uh, I also talked with him about like some of the other stuff that he's gotten a lot better at which he said he was like very proud of the progress that he's made in a lot of different areas um, but I think 
he knows and the coaching staff knows. And I asked Billy this last year, like, is there going to be a chance for you to just like give the ball to Patrick and kind of let him run some pick and rolls and learn on the fly. And he was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to give us the best chance to win. Um, which I agree with. I think that's the right thing if all you're trying to do is win. But I also think now there seems to be, um, I don't want to say like a change in perspective, but I think that they all kind of recognize as part of what we talked about before, where there does need to be some more ball movement, where there needs to be some more um, just off ball action to try to create easier looks for people. I think they know that Patrick has to be involved in some of that. Cause otherwise you just have, you know, a guy sitting in a corner that isn't really a part of the offense except for catching and shooting threes. So I'm not saying Patrick Williams is going to be scoring 20 points a game. I'm not saying he's going to be scoring 15 points a game, but I do think we're going to see the ball in his hands a little bit more this year. Um, and just, it seems like there's a much more confident uh, Pat who is ready to kind of explore some of the elements of his game that he feels like he has that within the Bulls offense, he hasn't really been able to show so far. <sighs> hmm. I don't know how before, <laughs> go, go on. <clears throat> I, I was just going to say like, before you get into why it's like, you know, I'll just show me and don't talk about it. Like, <laughs> can you, can you, can you like, um, what's your, what's your take on like whether or not the bulls need him to be more involved score? Cause I think we're all at a point where it's like, okay, Patrick, it's your four. You've said this, we've seen some flashes of it, but like you haven't really put it, put it together for like a half at a time, let alone a full game or two games. Um, so it's kind of like a, I'll believe it when I see it type of thing, but do you, and we can talk about that, but do you think that there is some truth in, you know, what he's saying as far as like the team needs him to score a little bit more if they want to be successful? I don't think they need him to score more. I think they need to be more aggressive in the in the way he goes about whatever he goes about, and in the byproduct of that will be he will score more. I don't need. I don't think they need to put an emphasis on getting him on ball opportunities or you know making sure that he's more active from a uh, you know getting the basketball in his hands point of view, like going out and trying to make sure that he he touches the ball. Like I don't think that needs to be the emphasis because I'm just of the view that. If you yourself are not willing to take the opportunities that do come to you, then why should the team, why should the coach give you more opportunities? That's that's my fundamental thing. Now, if Patrick takes those opportunities, takes his open threes, hits the offensive glass, gets to the free throw, a free throw line as a consequence of getting aggressive and getting to the free throw line, getting aggressive and making sure that he's acting as a screener in the same way that Caruso does. Like there's nothing against this offense whereby Billy's against his foreman being the screener because we see it with Caruso. We saw it with Javante and Derek Jones Jr. So these smaller guys can get in there and, get, and set screens for uh, DeMar and Levine. We've seen that. So I want to see Pat do those things first before I get all up and uh, get all excited about him putting the ball on the floor, doing more scoring from you know your traditional on-ball sense. So do I need to see him have more opportunities running pick and roll? No, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't need to see that. I've, I want to see what I've been saying about Pat for the last two or three years. Give me a supercharged version of Javante Green. I'm not saying that he needs to be exactly like that, 
but can you do some of those things first implement the foundational stuff where you need to be that kind of player regardless of whether you're a role guy or a star like this is the stuff i need to see first and then if you show me that if you if you show me you've ex- expanded the uh, your game your offensive game to do the basics to to you, and you've shown me that you could fit in around the big 3 or the mid 3 then okay cool then i start getting more confidence in you as an offensive player i start wanting to see more of what you can do but I don't want to just hand pat the reins and say like run some pick and roll and, and do do whatever you need to do from an on-ball point of view. And when Billy says he's not going to do that, that is music to my ears because I don't want to see any player just be handed opportunities or possessions when they haven't earned it. So that's been my big thing with Pat. I think he could easily walk into 13 to 14 points a game this season just doing what he has been doing the last couple of years, but just maximizing and seizing those opportunities that he sort of turned down in years past. So I want to see that first. I, I think, need to see that first before I start, you know, getting all excited about what Pat said. I mean, Pat last season said that he he thinks he can be a superstar. He followed that up by the next three games by by scoring fourteen total points. I, I I'm done with the talk. I need to see it in action. And maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe I'm being overly critical. But it, it's year four now. There's no more excuses. We need to see it. Do the basics well, and then we can talk about it. The rest of the stuff. I think that's 100% what the plan is. I don't think the Bulls are just going to give him the ball. Like when I say Billy didn't want to do that last year, I'm not saying that that means he does want to do it this year. In fact, I don't think that's the case. Um, I asked Billy, uh, you know, has that element changed at all? And he kind of said like, there were times at the end of last year where we started to put Patrick in pick and roll situations with the second unit. And quite frankly, like that may not have been good for him. It's not something that he's ever really done. Um, And just because it didn't work over a small sample, I'm not going to like scrap it entirely. But what we need to do is like make decisions a little bit easier for some of these guys. And this is not just for Patrick, it's for the young guys too. And that's where I think I'm going with the coming off of screens, uh, you know, getting downhill on some of these Vooch DHOs. Like I think that's a real opportunity for Patrick to have a head of steam, have a defender on his hip, to where he can either get into a mid-range pull-up where he loves uh, to, to shoot and score from. And he also emphasized like not just settling for jumpers, for getting all the way downhill and trying to draw fouls and going up through contact. Um, I think, you know, 13, 14 points per game makes sense if you're just talking about like expanding his shooting volume and like being a more aggressive spot-up shooter. But I also think there's going to be opportunities for him and for Kobe and for Io and for all these other role guys that the Bulls have to like come off of screens and get downhill to be involved in an action where they can back cut. And I think they should have been doing that last year, but they weren't. And I think there's a, a focus on it this year. But the, the one thing Billy said that stood out to me was, you know, I think with this whole randomness thing that we tried to do last year, it was like a little chaotic and it was a little uh, like too much, like, a, a, paralysis analysis or whatever like when you have just like too many options and you're not sure what to do and like what we need to do a little bit better this year is not necessarily make it like okay this is my my first read and if it's not there i go to my second read and if that's not there i go to my third read it's more like okay i get to this spot and i have like a couple of different options here is this one open or is this one open is this opportunity available for me to you know drive left and score or do i need to go right here back out and then you know, pass it to a roller. Like, I think they're just trying to simplify things for some of these younger guys to where, you know, there's going to be 
And again, I don't want to make it sound like they're just going to like give Patrick or Kobe pick and roll opportunities. I think it's more going to be as the ball moves side to side in some of these, you know, dribble weaves or dribble handoffs with Vooch. I think there's going to be opportunities for them to just drive instead of just passing it back out to DeMar and like going through like these token dribble weaves to get DeMar the ball at the elbow. I just, I don't think we're going to see as much of that this year. That requires buy-in from DeMar and Zach, quite frankly. I mean, those guys need to be willing to trust their teammates to make the right play and to be able to score so that it's not like, well, the best opportunity we have is a pull-up jumper from DeMar. It has to be a group effort, but I think that simplifying some things and empowering those guys to be able to make a play or even just a read coming off of a dribble handoff um, or out of like a pistol action or um, you know any of these like delay series that they run, there's just going to be a chance, I think, for them to look at the basket a little bit more. Again, they should have been doing that last year. Patrick should have been doing that last year. But I think if you're talking about like turbocharging him as a role guy, I think what I'm my my understanding of what I've been hearing is that there's going to be more opportunity and empowerment into making that stuff happen. And that's what excites me. I'm not saying Patrick is going to be like, give me the ball and get out of my way. He's not going to be running spread pick and rolls. I don't think they should do that. And I don't think they will do that. But I think that if they can implement some more movement and just stuff in their offense, it's going to give those guys opportunities. And it's not just Patrick, but I think Patrick's really ready to step up because he he hears the noise. He knows people want more from him and he knows he's got more to give on that end. And I think he also knows, and the Bulls know, that like if they want to create easier scoring opportunities, that he needs to be a part of it. Yeah, and and look, if he can finally get to that point, then cool. But coming back to the to what I said before, like I don't think they needed to fundamentally shift the offense and the methodology behind the offense to get to these things. I, I think all of these options existed last season, and I don't want to belabor the point, but like we, if we want to talk about Zach and and Demar trusting or needing to trust Kobe, Pat, I, whomever it may be. These guys also need to give Zach Demar Vooch reason to trust them. Hundred percent. It, it's it's it goes both ways, but it kind of feels like depending on which fan you're talking about, that it's one person to blame or you know another person to blame for for someone else's shortcomings. And I don't think that's fair. And I think fundamentally, even though Pat may get different looks than what he got last season, I think fundamentally he's still going to be in the weak side corner. He still needs to get to the dunker spot. He still needs to be involved in pick and roll, but he won't be involved as the handler. Can he be involved as a screener? If the answer to that is yes, then I, th- I, th- I think all of that stuff was available to him last season. Now, it will be available to him again this season because you know it should be and it will be, but he's not going to... I don't think he's, the scope of his offensive game is going to... or the role within the offense is going to change too dramatically. It's just about how does he maximize himself within that, within the opportunities he does get. So it, for me, it's kind of like the same conversation that we've had for the last two or three seasons... But we'll see. Like I, I still maintain that the best game that I've seen Patrick Williams play was not when he scored 30-something against the Wolves or the 20-odd that he had against the Mavericks at the end of last season. It's when he had uh, 10 points and 12 rebounds against the Clippers towards the end of his second season. That That's the best game I've seen Patrick Williams play. Why? Because he was doing all of these things. He was sk- setting screens for DeMar in, in pick and roll. He was cutting baseline. He was taking his open threes. Like If he just does that basic stuff then I think we've got a very good player and a player who's worthy of starting a power forward. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, So it was a good story. I enjoyed reading it. It's great that you're out in Nashville getting these opportunities to talk to Pat and giving the fans 
and, and frankly, giving Pat a voice as well, like more more power to it. I want to hear from Pat. Like I'm not I'm not saying that he shouldn't be saying these things or feeling confident about himself, but for me, it's just you know I, I don't want to hear about talk from anyone anymore. It's it's about action. So that's just not that's not just reflective of Pat. It's reflective of everyone. But time will tell, obviously. Uh, but good story nonetheless, William. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about your role. That's that's the good thing about William Gottlieb, friends. Like, well, we don't have to worry thing, about like, I, Will taking his opportunities. He, he he gets them. He gets them. There's the the there's opportunities for me to write stuff about you know what I believe and my opinion on things, and there's opportunities for me to report stories about how guys in the locker room feel about things, and I tend to lean on your side of it where. I think, you know, there's just, there's more he has to do with a limited role before he can really prove that he deserves to be in a bigger role. Um, I, I tend to lean that way. I still think that there could be more action and motion and opportunity in the offense for everybody. And I think there will be this year. Uh, but like Billy said this, Patrick said this, it, a lot of it's on him too, not maximizing the opportunities that he had. Uh, Billy straight up said that to me. And um, I think that's hundred percent right too. Patrick has to be better, but I think everybody has to be better. Um, and I think they're trying to find ways to do that. So I'm really excited to see what the offense looks like and how things are hopefully going to change for the better. And I think if they can make some of those tweaks, then it's going to help facilitate Patrick's growth because a lot of people are saying Billy Donovan's holding Patrick back or DeMar's isolations are getting in the way of Patrick turning into a star. Like that stuff's silly. It's, it's, it's on everyone. And I think Patrick is the leader in that clubhouse. Patrick needs to be better at the stuff that's available to him before we can talk about Patrick being the one that needs to get the 20 mid range jumpers a game. Cause that's just not going to lead to positive, you know, yardage, so to speak, you know, it's like, the Bulls want to win games and that's what they want to do, then Patrick is not going to be the one dominating the ball. If they decide to go another direction and prioritize Patrick turning into an on-ball creator, then we can have a different conversation. But that would also require some major trades happening. And as we've talked about ad nauseum for the last six months, that's just not happening right now. So um, it's just about being better in the role that's given to you. And I think there is a little bit more scope in that role for him to at least feel comfortable and confident that he has uh, some more space to, you know, to operate. And I think hopefully that, that does something for his general confidence because that I think at times has been the thing that held, has held him back the most. Yeah, completely agree. But uh, look, there are people who think that uh, DeMar is holding Patrick Williams back. They are the same people, William that just pay stupid ex- exorbitant prices for their sunglasses. It's the same person. Like this is the same level of, you know, doofiness. Let's say that or goofiness. Why would you bother doing that when Shady Rays exists? Why? I, I don't understand. I've never understood it. Baby Joe- Joey doesn't understand it. Clearly Dave doesn't understand it. No one understands it because Shady Rays exists and they've got you covered for the warm weather. I know it's starting to cool down in the in the US, but guess what, folks? It's starting to heat up down here in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you want to get yourself some premium polarized shades at an affordable price, then head to our friends over at Shady Rays. If you jump on their website, shadyrays.com, and use promo code CHDO, you will receive 50% off two plus pairs 
of premium polarized sunnies. So uh, definitely do that. Over 250,000 five-star reviews online. You can see the Shady Rays dingo wearing those beautiful things. Look how good they look. Do you know what the Shady Rays dingo told me, William? He told me DeMar is not holding Patrick Williams back. Do you know why? Because he wears Shady Rays. He doesn't wear those stupid designer brands that don't give you that lost and broken policy. Do you know who does? Shady Rays. That's why this is the company that we support here at CHGO. We love the fact that we have their support. And friends, like I said, shadyrays.com, promo code CHGO for 50% off. Why would you not do that? Take up the offer, friends. <laughs> take up the offer on the Shady Rays and then be sure to take up the offer from Fubo TV because they have 140 plus live channels of sports shows, movies, and news. And you can stream it live from any device. They, you can watch the most Chicago sports for the lowest price, and you can start watching immediately with a free trial. And guess what? No contract, no cable, no hassle. You just sign up and start watching. Bulls are coming up. There's NFL. There's Red Zone. There's the UEFA Euro qualifiers, Ryder Cup, college football, Big Ten. And you can rewatch all that stuff with a 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. So watch all your favorite college football and NFL with Fubo, go to www.fubotv.com slash chgo to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. And William, why are you here? Well, why we're here, we may as well just tell everyone about Pins and Aces as well. Because again, just a great company that supports CHGO. And if few friends are interested in your golf, even if you're not, to be honest with you, you can just get great golf gear, great golf apparel, and just look sweet doing so, whether you're on the links or not. Uh, head over to our friends at pinsandaces.com. Again, use the promo, promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and you get free shipping as well. William, I don't know if you're a big golfer, but we like to pretend you are. And I know when you do head out there playing your 18 or 9, whatever it might be, you, you are wrapping those Pins and Aces gear. I know a lot of people within the office, they are over there at CHGO, certainly wear this. So it's not just something that we are say. We definitely live by this. So friends, if you want to look cool, if you want to look good when you're playing golf out there, more importantly, if you want to get that the uh, the beer sleeve, the innovative product that allows you to hold seven beers right inside your golf bag, then Pins and Aces is where you go, pinsandaces.com, promo code CHGO for 15% off your first order. William, let's close out the show by uh, talking actual basketball. This is a sweet, sweet reprieve. I can't believe it. I can't <laughs> believe can it. I. It has been There's a long a real NBA game played yeah. by the Chicago Bulls happening in it, it, less than 48 thing. hours. It's a beautiful thing. It's been a long three months. To, look, it's it's not woes me because I'm not going to sit here and say that it's hard being a Bulls podcaster, being a Bulls content creator because it's not. Like there's there's a lot of other real hard jobs out there. Let's let's be honest. But boy, was it hard sometimes just having to talk about some nonsense that didn't really matter. But this is some stuff that does matter. Bulls versus Bucks, opening preseason game. I mean, there's just going to be a general level of excitement regardless, but the fact that we get to see Dame Lillard in a Bucks jersey in game one, understanding how their offense and their defense is going to click will be fascinating just more generally. But the fact that we get to see that with the Bulls doing their own thing, like we talked about before, like the Bulls trying to experiment with their own offense, seeing two division rivals go at it in preseason game one in actual stuff that matters. I'm excited, William. Preseason game one, division rivals. 
actual <laughs> stuff that matters. Yeah, let's not get too far ahead of our skis here, but I am excited to watch a real basketball game, uh, and especially one with this new just turbocharged version of the Milwaukee Bucks, who obviously were already one of the best teams in the league and now have a opportunity to be like just offensively potent on an entirely different level. The thing about the Dame Giannis pick and roll that's going to be so interesting to me is how far defenses have to pick Dame up. I mean, even if you just like watched two Portland games a year uh, when they come to Chicago last year, it was literally trapped Dame at half court at the logo to get the ball out of his hands. Cause otherwise he's going to pull up for three um, or get all the way downhill and Billy Donovan said this, I will not forget it. At the, at a certain point, it was just like, we got to go at this guy and get the ball out of his hands. Like, he's that dangerous. He's that lethal as a shooter. Uh, last year was his best year uh, attacking the basket and getting the free throw line. He is just simply the most dynamic scoring shooting guard this side of Stephen Curry. And the way that he bends defenses basically means that you are stretched all the way out to half court. Yeah. At the same time, they have a guy named Giannis Atetokounmpo, who basically forces you to build a wall with five guys in the paint to try to keep him away from the rim. So if you are trying to defend the rim against Giannis barreling down the lane for an easy dunk, but you're also trying to defend Damian Lillard at half court with two guys that you need to take the ball out of his hands. I just don't know that you have seven guys on the court to be able to do that. Um, They are going to be incredibly dynamic I cannot wait to see just like how teams like tried doing one thing and that's not going to work. So then what do they do after that? I just think like the adjustments and just the league trying to figure out how to guard this team is going to be so interesting because the way that they just punish defenses is so opposite and complements each other so well that it Mm -hmm. is just, I I think they're going to just score like unlimited points. And then on the other end, you still have, you know, real three point, outlets in Brooke Lopez uh, who can defend the rim at a super high level. It allows Mm -hmm. Giannis to um, take a little bit less of a offensive burden, right? Where he doesn't have to be the one initiating everything last year. He had to do a lot of that with Chris Middleton missing the vast majority of the season. Chris Middleton now steps into the third option role where he's really always been the second guy and the primary ball handler in a lot of late game scenarios. So it just kind of like pushes the, the pecking order down a little bit to where, you know, Dame is going to be the primary creator, but he's going to be in these just insanely dominant pick and roll actions with Giannis. You're going to have good floor spacing. You're going to have secondary playmaking. You're still going to have really good rim protection. This team is just going to be so unbelievably good. And I don't know how much they'll play together on Sunday, but I can't wait to see teams struggle to figure them out. Yeah. And look, that'll be true of every team, not just the Bulls, but, uh, I, th- I think this why this is fascinating to me, even though this is a preseason game. And to your point, who knows how many minutes these guys probably play. Probably we'll see if they, if they even play more than a half. Um, but why this this matchup fascinates me is because of everything we've talked about. Like the Bulls are trying to implement real systematic changes. But I think this Bucks matchup now that, you know, you've got Dame and you've got uh, Brooke Lopez, like this being your first outing to really try this stuff, like this is probably the worst kind of matchup to be doing that. Even from like an offensive standpoint, like if you want to involve Vooch more as a playmaker and as a creator, where that gets interesting is 
the Bucks have routinely sort of just sat off Vooch. They've dropped back off of Vooch and sort of let him do his thing out on the perimeter. Now, obviously, you can, you can involve him as a screener, as a DHO guy, but if Brook Lopez is laying off Vooch, how effective or how easy is it going to be for him to be a playmaker when, yeah, you're, you're opening up uh, passing angles and lanes for him, but if you're taking away the paint uh, because Brook Lopez is sort of floating down into the middle, like how effective can Vooch be as a playmaker at that standpoint? And then obviously defensively, we know how the Bulls like to play on defense. And for all the reasons why you said that Giannis and Dame uh, pick and roll is going to be so dynamic and so, so damn hard to stop. Like, it's going to, I think Vooch is going to need to get above the level of the screen, which is not a thing he traditionally does or he doesn't do well. And are the balls going to entertain with playing different schemes from a defensive standpoint? Are they going to try and implement some more aggressive schemes? Because all, all we've really talked about this offseason and, and in training cap is all the changes that the Bulls need to make on offense. And I'm not suggesting they need to make any changes on defense because what they did on defense last season really worked for them. But if you're changing the offensive scheme and like you spoke about before, maybe that has a byproduct of how, you know, the different types of defensive possessions you you allow yourself to get into. Do you also have to explore different types of defensive looks and schemes? And this box defense is going to force you into those situations as well. So I'm very keen to see if the the whole run some more stuff through Vooch is actually something that can you can really do against a team like the Bucks and the way they like to defend. But similarly how the Bulls defense tries to match up against the Bucs and, and where Vooch is situated <laughs> against this pick and roll. Like it's going to be a tough game for Vooch because uh, yeah, good luck defending that pick and roll. Well, okay. So a lot there, I think offensively what I want to see is, and I think what will make life much easier on Vooch as more of a hub is for the, the shooters on the team for Zach and Kobe specifically to move without the ball. Um, if you look at the way that Draymond Green is effective with the Warriors, even though he's a non-shooter, even though nobody's guarding him, he basically runs, anytime he touches the ball, he runs straight at Stepper Clay and does a handoff. And that allows one of those guys to pull up for three over that screen. Um, and it forces his defender to be involved in the play because otherwise Stepper Clay has an advantage, whether it's pulling up for three or to get all the way to the rim. Um, and if, you know, Draymond's guy steps over to try to help take that drive away, then that leaves Draymond open where he can now cut to the basket and either make a play or finish. So I think ideally uh, that requires, if the Bulls want to run stuff like this, it requires guys to move really well without the ball. Um, I think you can talk about doing the same thing with DeMar as a hub where even if you're just, even if you're not looking to score with him, um, if he's playing off ball, he can be effective if he moves and screens well. And ultimately that is going to be, that's a huge change from what the bulls did last year. I think that's more of a change than, you know, there's a, there's a reason why only the warriors really run that stuff the way that they do. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think that that's one of those areas where it's like, you have to get buy-in from Zach and Kobe because that's a lot of running. It's exhausting. The stamina, the endurance needs to be there for those guys to be able to do that. Um, And that's, I think where you can really maximize some of this Vooch as a hub thing. Now on the other end, um, I think you have Giannis and you have Brooke Lopez who are going to be pretty much taking away the paint. And if the bulls are trying to get to the free throw line more, get all the way to the rim to generate more threes, that's going to be difficult. Um, but I think 
they don't really have the perimeter defense that they once had without Drew Holiday, uh, without mm-hmm. Wesley Matthews, who really gave DeMar Fitz in the playoffs when they played a few years ago, to where mm-hmm. I think that they can get some stuff done on the perimeter. Um, and then on the other end, like, yeah, the, the pick and rolls are going to be really tough to defend. Um, and that's kind of why I want to see Javon Carter start because you could yeah. throw him at, uh, on Dame and put Caruso or Patrick on, um, on Giannis. And then when they run those high horns plays or when they run those high pick and roll plays, you have the ability to switch and contain um, where if they run the horns, like he's just going to go right at Booch, but at least you can, you know, get to the level of the screen and then switch back out with Javon with Caruso, who are two of the best at just screen navigation, getting over screens and recovering in the entire NBA. So obviously it's going to be much easier said than done, but I think the recipe to defend a team like that is to have really good ball pressure and really good screen navigators. And the bulls are fortunate to have two or three of those guys. Um, but I think that's where, you know, the, the talk about the starting point guard Kobe versus Javon versus IO and the starting power forward, Patrick versus Tory versus Caruso. I think if you, if you put Kobe in the starting lineup and Patrick in the starting lineup, you just, you're sacrificing too much of what you did really well last year, which was contain pick and roll and play at at the level of the screen. And I just think it's going to really, unless your offense is like completely revolutionary, it's going to be hard to contain and compete with teams. If your defense isn't also playing at such a high level. Yeah, I think that's all true. And I, and Billy hasn't given any hints as to what his uh, starting unit or starting lineup will be or what the rotation will look like. But you touched on it there. Like this is why you bring in someone like Javon Carter. This is why, uh, you know, you, you do. Well, this is why you target that type of player to maintain that level of pick, uh, point of attack defense. And there is probably no one that you need to <laughs> guard more heavily on the point of attack than maybe maybe Steph Curry, but if, if it's not Steph Curry, then it's Dame Lillard. Like, and the combination of Dame and, 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 and Giannis in that pick and roll, like that's where you kind of need to blow things up straight away at the point of attack, if you can. That way you can set, make things as, as hard as possible to get the ball to Giannis, as hard as possible for Brook Lopez to be popping, popping out and getting that three-point line, to that three-point line. So your, your point of attack defense still needs to be emphasized. So I think Javon needs to start in this game for a whole host of reasons. One, it'll just be interesting to see him starting at point guard. Interesting to see him starting against his former ball club. But this is why you bring in a dog at put at the point of attack like Javon Carter for specific matchups like this. So I think it makes sense uh, to uh, to have him out there right now in game one to get that look in, to see what that looks like. I, I love the fact that Kobe has sort of found him spot himself in that six-man role. I think if you have him starting and you go to a, a bench unit where you have a lot of these defensive first, not a lot of creation ability sort of role guys in that second unit, like Javon, Caruso, Torrey Craig, et cetera. Like if, that, if your second use, unit is comprised of those guys with Io and Drummond, I just don't like the creation ability of that second unit. So... I think this makes sense for a lot of reasons as to why it makes sense to start Javon Carter, but Javon Carter, but specifically for this matchup, this is, this is why I want to see Carter start. I think that the starting bench stuff is a little overblown just because I think we're not going to see full on five man line shifts. I think we're going to see a lot of staggering. I don't think there's going to be a point 
in any game where one of Zach or Damar is not on the court. Um, and we saw that a lot last year. But I just – I think, yeah, if you if you start Kobe and Patrick with that, you know, Zach, Damar, Vooch trio, there's just no offensive juice on that second unit. Um, if, you, if you have Kobe and Io and Caruso together on that second unit, you still need one of Zach or Damar out there anyway. So I, I just – yeah. I think from like an optics standpoint, you probably want to start Kobe and you probably want to start Patrick to just like make them feel like they're more involved, make them feel like they're more featured, uh, make them feel, make fans feel like that you're trying to do something with their development. But at the end of the day, I think, and Billy kind of tipped this at media day, like Patrick's going to play an integral role, but maybe we see him more with the second units. We pull him early and then let him play with the second units. I think that makes a lot of sense. You still need a big wing like that to be able to come in and defend, but you also have Corey Craig now who can play heavy minutes. Um, you also have Alex Caruso. So I just think they have more optionality. And I think that you're going to see lineups where Kobe and Pat are playing with the big three. I think you're going to see lineups where Javon and Tori are playing with the big three or John and Caruso or Caruso and Tori or whatever combination. But I just don't think you're going to see these full on line shifts um, so the starting thing doesn't really bug me either way, but I, I am curious about the closing lineup and, uh, you know, who, who they decide to close games with, because that is really, you know, you, you want your five best guys, your best five men unit out there to try to win you games. And I think Caruso is going to be in there with the big three. And I just wonder who that, that fifth guy's going to be. Yeah. And look, I, I think it'd be interesting if they go to a, Pat and Kobe starting unit at preseason at some point. I just wonder if it's more relevant to maybe see that against the Raptors or the Timberwolves later on rather than the or Bucks in game Bucks one. Bench, you know? Yeah, you, you, you can still get those looks in uh, in the second unit, but then the, the two games thereafter against the Nuggets as well, which is we talk about the, the Damon Giannis pick and roll, but um, you know, <laughs> I think Murray and Jokic would, uh, would suggest that maybe their pick and roll is still better. But nonetheless, Bulls basketball is back. Sunday Sunday afternoon for you, William? Is that, is that the time for you guys? Sunday over there in the at U.S.? noon. Yeah, there you go. I know it's 4 a.m. No, no Bears game on, this, on. this Sunday, so you have no excuses but to watch. There you go. Sunday at noon for, for you Chicago and CT times. For for those of us abroad, uh, whether, you, whether you're in the, uh, the Australia like me, 4 a.m. on a Monday morning, that is brutal. Uh, hopefully, if it's a little better for our Europe, European friends, they usually get shafted generally. So I'm hoping it's a better time zone for them. But nonetheless, the point being, friends, Bulls basketball is back. The guys, Matt, Dave, William, I'm pretty sure you guys will be going live after that game, if I'm not mistaken. If you're not, I've just said you are, so you know, you have to now. Matt, but, uh, Matt and Dave will be live in studio. I'll be in Milwaukee calling in, but we will be back for our first post-game show of the season. Very exciting things. Exactly. That's the point. Bulls basketball is back. Can't wait to see it. And obviously, friends, uh, we appreciate your support throughout the season. Obviously, uh, tune into CHGO Sports more generally. But the fact that Bulls basketball is back, you definitely want to be tuning into CHGO Bulls. So William will be at Milwaukee. You can follow his stuff uh, on the website as you already do. Follow him on Twitter at Will underscore Gottlieb. I'm at MK Hoops yelling about the Bulls, ranting about the Bulls as per usual. We are at CHGO underscore Bulls. Uh, Sarah, do you have a Twitter account? I'm not sure if you do. I'm putting her on the spot here. Sarah doesn't have a Twitter account, but nonetheless, we appreciate Sarah for pressing all the buttons and making sure this this show runs as it should. So thank you, Sarah. Uh, Fans, 
Thank you for tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Spotify, whatever it might be, wherever you get your podcast, we, we appreciate your support. And like I said, Bulls basketball, back around the corner. It's fun, William. It's fun. Preseason basketball. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in for today, for today's edition of HQ. The guys will be back on Sunday evening and we'll be back, obviously, throughout the season. But uh, appreciate your support. Speak soon, Bulls fans. Oh, 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 oh,